Two guys not related, yet somehow are given the same name. It's time for the Two Daves podcast, where we'll answer the age-old question, are two Daves better than one? And now, here's Dave and Dave. That's right. You've made it once again to the Two Daves podcast, where people are asking themselves the question, Dave who? Hey, I'm Dave. And I'm the other Dave, and this ain't tacos. Please don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. And again, like we always say, with your enemies, if you like, we're building the Two Dave Nation and invite you to be part of this fun-filled journey. Now, Dave, another episode. Are you ready? Let's do it. Okay, good. So let me ask you. Do you like going to the doctor's office or the dentist? Do, do you like that? Well, it's, uh, it's my second favorite thing right after trimming my fingernails with a chainsaw. <laughs> I feel the same way. Yeah, really? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I hate going to a doctor. I think the only doctor I like is the eye doctor. I don't even like that. I, I don't uh, like when they blow the... You know, they do that glaucoma test and they blow that, that air into your eye. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Oh, I just, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I do do appreciate the doctors. I do appreciate the dentists and I appreciate the surgeons that have done surgeries in my life. So I'm not saying I hate them. I just hate going to those places. Exactly. Exactly. And I'm sure that there are a lot of doctors and dentists that hate going to church. So (laughs) (laughs) that's great. That is funny. That is funny. Tonight we thought it would be fun to talk about strange medical conditions. And uh, unfortunately we're going to be the examples of a couple of them, but because, you know, when you get to be as old as we are, it's amazing how much we begin to talk about our health with other people. That's right, Dave. And before we go there, uh, I wanted to have fun. You know, we like our opening stuff. So have fun with a few doctor jokes. Yes. We might think they're funny to us. You don't have to laugh along. Okay. It's not a laugh along thing. So, but anyway, well, well, let's, let's go over. We have four, right? Is that right? Do we have four tonight? Okay. Just four. Okay. Okay. All right. I'll take the first one. Okay. All right. All right. Doctor says you are very sick. Patient says, "Can I get a second opinion?" Yes, of course. You're very ugly too. <laughs> it's an old one, but a good one. It is a good one. How many yeah. times have you been told you're ugly, Dave? Oh, many times. And that's yes. just by my wife today. I was going to agree the same thing. <laughs> if my dog could say it, he would. She would. So, okay. Here's a, here's another one. Patient okay. said, "Huh? Okay." Oh, okay. Okay. Patient Patient says, my hearing's gone. I need to go to the hearing doctor. Okay. Patient says, yeah, I know. Patient says, someone decided to graffiti my house last night. And the doctor said, so why are you telling me? And the patient looked back at the doctor and said, well, I can't understand the writing. Was it you? (laughs) That's great, isn't it? That is funny. Doctor says, I'm I'm afraid you're dying and you don't have much time. Patient says, oh, no, that's terrible. How long have I got? Doctor says, 10. Patient says, 10? 10 10 what? 10 months? Weeks? What? He says, 10, 9, 8, (laughs) 7. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) 
you got to laugh, people. You just got to laugh. <laughs> got to laugh. Yep. The last one, what we have. What do you call a student that got C's all the way through med school? Hmm. Hopefully not your doctor. <laughs> yeah, truly. Well, we once again did some research on some strange items the surgeons have removed from people's bodies. This is our research team that we hired, and uh, they did some research on strange items that surgeons have removed from people's bodies. And this hopefully will be entertaining for you, unless it's actually happened to you. Then instead of laughing with you, we'll just laugh at you, okay? That's true. That's true. Okay, I'll, I'll begin. In okay. January of 2004, Dave, in a hospital in Hong Kong, a 50-year-old man had Hong been in Kong foodie, <laughs> the number one super guy. Okay, sorry. You have to be over 50 to know that. Okay. Yeah, so uh, a 50-year-old man had been admitted for stomach pains. Hmm. An x-ray showed the outline of a 20-inch eel, which the eel. man admitted somehow into his rectum to relieve his constipation. Goodness. It's unknown why he thought that would help. It just <laughs> added more pain for the man. The eel was removed, and remarkably, the eel was still alive. Wow. The doctor famously called this the rectal ill issue. And you might say, why did he name this? Because, believe it or not, others have done the same thing. Oh, my goodness. Folks. I, I don't know where you get your medical information, but if you're constipated, try X-Lax. Do not get an eel and stick it where the sun don't shine, please. Hey, Dave, you want to go fishing? I'm not feeling very well. <laughs> All right, now here's another one. Okay. Pica, I'm not sure. Is it pica? It's a term used to describe the need for some people to eat inedible things. Uh, you've perhaps seen this on, um, you know, people's strange addictions on TV shows or whatever. But in 2016, a 42-year-old man was admitted to the hospital for stomach pains. Well, come to find out, he'd swallowed exactly 40 pocket knives. All were seven inches long. Some were folded shut and others were open. The man said it had taken him two months to eat them. And he told the physician that he had an incredible craving for knives. Wow. <laughs> wow. I feel sorry for the man. You know what? I crave chocolate, but sometimes I just say, you know, I don't need any tonight. I'm hungry for knives. I'm hungry for knives. Wow. Mm. Mm. Well, I hope he doesn't go into a hardware store very soon because those nails are probably looking pretty good right now, too. So. Oh, my goodness. Well, okay. In 2014, a man from Australia. Good night, Mike. Yes. I don't know if this was a good day for him. <laughs> he awoke in the middle of the night with a severe pain in his ear. Oh, who hasn't done that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So he had figured that some kind of bug had crawled inside his ear. So what else are you going to do but grab your vacuum cleaner? And oh, he no. tried for several minutes to suck the bug out of his ear. I mean, yeah, that that sounds right. Whenever I get wax in my ear, that's what I do. What about you, Dave? Yeah, yeah, really. To no avail, he went to the hospital where the doctor used forceps 
to retrieve a little over a one-inch cockroach, and oh, he wow. fully recovered. Man, that's that. That'll give you the heebie-jeebies, won't it? Oh man, these are some stories, huh? Yeah, crazy. Well, here's another one. In 2010, a 75-year-old Cape Cod man had been struggling with his breathing. Okay, well, he thought maybe he had lung cancer or something, so he went to the doctor. And after several x-rays and body scans, the doctor revealed that what the man had in his lungs was not a malignancy, but it was a small pea plant growing. <laughs> yeah. And so after he was treated, the man went out to eat and he ordered a side of peas and he laughed at himself. The Boston TV reporter laughed as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> that, how? Well, okay, so he probably somehow had to suck a pc down his down his yeah, lungs somehow but i you know in your i don't know i don't know how that happened i don't i i don't know he had to have yeah man alive that's crazy uh okay a north carolina man had been plagued with chronic coughing and fatigue for two years before the doctor discovered a fast food plastic fork was stuck on the outside of his lung. Oh. The doctor could actually read what it said on the x-rays on the fork, which it read hamburgers. <laughs> that was from Wendy's Old Fashioned Hamburgers Restaurant that used to have that on there. I don't know if it still does. It yeah. was removed and recovered. Well... Praise the Lord. I'm glad he recovered. You know, that's good. Wow. No, no, wait. Aren't we getting by? Aren't we getting away from something? How did that fork get inside of him? Yeah, I can understand if it got in your stomach because, you know, those forks are pretty fragile, you know. I mean, let's face it. It's pretty easy to accidentally break one off and maybe swallow a tine. But on yeah. the outside of your lung, I, I don't understand. Yeah, yeah. I don't either. That is weird stuff right there. Well, Dave, have you ever taken anything weird or strange out of your kid's nose or ear? <laughs> you know, I should have asked my wife this question. I know that we we took out of our oldest son's nose like he had shoved hard beans up his nose. I mean, we were teaching him to count that day. I don't know, but he got him stuck. So I think wow. we had to take him to the doctor because I, I think my wife tried and it didn't work and she was panicking or I was panicking. Um, and I'm trying to think of anything else. Um, no. What about you? No, no. We, we did have a, uh, I've got a friend who actually served with me a, a, as an intern for a few years. And when he was a little kid, he got a bee stuck in his ear. No, no, it wasn't a bee. It was a cricket. <laughs> Either way, it's bad. But his his hearing is adversely affected. Uh, the, the ear that that cricket was in, uh, he can't hear out of his ear now. So, Man, that's, yeah, that's wild. I, I'm, I think Brad's probably, Brad is probably listening to this. So, Brad, if, if I got that wrong, you just uh, get on our website and, or on our uh, Facebook page and you tell us the real story, okay? I, I, I got, I got to tell you this, Brad, I'm kind of in your boat in not that way, but 
I was probably 20 years old. We were upstairs in our church and working on some kind of, I don't know, something for youth group. And I sat back and I yawned and this guy, Craig, he knows who he is, threw a penny from a distance and it went into my mouth to the back of my tongue and I panicked and swallowed the stupid penny. I, I was a mess. I never went to the doctor. Hopefully I passed it. If not, I mean, that's, uh, that's no longer a copper penny then. So <laughs> the doctors were, the doctors were watching and somebody said, how is he? And he said, well, no change yet. No, 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 that's right. Or he said, penny for your thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, Craig is a good shot though. That's, um, that's great. I was so mad at him. <laughs> I, <laughs> oh my well, oh, well, hey, well, yeah, Dave, on a, on a kind of on a serious note, um, this uh, I texted you the other day and said, hey, I'd like to talk about this because um, it was 20 years ago this week that I went through a a, a very strange medical condition. And uh, I, I thought about it a lot because not just the 20th anniversary, but I remember the weather was a lot like it is now. It was very bitterly cold and a lot of snow. And um the flu was going around rampantly as of course it does every year. And I, uh, I got the flu and I was, uh, I was not in ministry at the time. I was actually, it was, I was in between churches and we were running a motel in a little town in Iowa. And on the side, I was also working at a grocery store, hy V grocery store right across the street, actually from the motel. And uh, so I wasn't getting any, you know, I didn't have full-time benefits or anything like that. So I wasn't getting any sick time. And what I'm about to say is probably going to make somebody mad and it should. Okay. Because I did wrong. But uh, first of all, let me just say that I don't catch anything as an adult. I do not, when things go around, it can hit everybody in my house. And I, I come through unscathed. And I think it's because when I was a kid, I was really sickly. I, I did catch everything when I was a kid. And I think somehow that built up my immune system because now I just don't catch things. But there are some exceptions. And I got it that time. And one of the things kind of my MO to do is if I start to feel bad, like if I get a scratchy throat or, you know, a cough or something like that or start to feel aches, I just I just say, you know, I'm not going to be sick. I'm not going to do this. I can't afford to be sick. I'm going to work through it. And nine times out of 10, it's very successful. You know, I get up in the morning, I don't feel well. And instead of calling in sick, I just soldier through it. And normally by noon, I'm fine. And that day I decided that I was going to do the exact same thing, but I was not fine. I was running a fever had aches and pains. And I know I know I was terrible for going to work and infecting everybody that I came into contact with, but I was young and stupid. Okay. Did you have COVID? <laughs> really? It could have been, who knows? It was obviously an influenza that was, that was going around. I found that later, but so I, I worked all day and I should not have done it because um, I needed the rest and it, it only wore my body down so that it got worse. And believe me, it got worse. The next day, that was a Friday. It was actually uh, the 2nd of February. The next day, I could not go to work. I could not get up out of bed. I was so sick, Dave. I had a high fever. I was, you know, vomiting, all the stuff that you do with flu. And uh, I was, my fever was so high that I was, I was dreaming or I was hallucinating. 
I'm telling you, I was seeing things that the line between reality and hallucination was very blurred. Uh, everything was hazy anyway, so I wasn't sure what was actually happening and what I was just seeing. But um, my grandpa walked into my bedroom. My grandpa had passed away six and a half years before. He was a godly man, loved the Lord, was a pastor. And uh, he walked into my room and I said, uh, Grandpa, what are you doing here? I didn't say, you've been dead for six and a half years. I said, Grandpa, I'm really sick. You probably shouldn't be in my room. And he said, I've, I've come to get you. I've come to take you home. And I said, uh, I, I am home. I am home. I'm fine right here. And he said, well, if you mean that, then I'll go ahead and leave. And then he was gone. And sometime later, there was a little boy who came into my room. And he sat down. I mean, he sat down at the foot of my bed. And he said, and my oldest daughter, Jessica, she was about, uh, she was a second grader at the time. So this, this little boy is about her age. He said, I've come to play with your daughter. And I said, well, I don't, I don't know where she is. I'm, I'm ill. You, you should not be up here. You should probably go. So I didn't recognize him. I'd never seen him in, you know, one of her classmates. And she, he says, uh, I said, I'm just very sick. He says, oh, that's okay. I had what you had when I lived in this house. And then he was gone. Just strange. I mean, I'm telling, I'm getting goosebumps just just talking mm. about it. I, but again, that that line was so blurred. My mother-in-law came in at one time and yelled up the, the stairs to see if I was doing okay. And I didn't know if I was dreaming it, hearing things or what. So I didn't answer her. And come to find out, she did tell me that she she did confirm that she was there. But uh, but were that, you having was, high fever at this time, Dave? Yeah, very, yeah, high fever, high fever. Like how high and, did you have? 105. That's high, Dave. Yeah, yeah, that was high. And but after the weekend, I was fine. That was Saturday. By Sunday night, I felt great. And so I'm going to work tomorrow morning. So I set my alarm and I got up. And when I woke up, I noticed that my my left hand was numb. You know, kind of like mm. um, if you've ever slept on your hand or whatever, you know, when you wake right. up, and it's got the tingly sensation. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought it was just asleep. And what do you do when your hand's asleep? You know, you kind of right. you know, trying to shake it, trying to get the blood to circulate. I'm telling you what, I did that all day long, all day long. And my hand was just asleep. And I thought, well, that's that's strange. When Tuesday morning, I woke up and not only my left hand was was numb and tingly, but my right hand was as well. Wow. Now I was I mean, the first you know, on Monday, I was annoyed because I, I'm right-handed, so I didn't really need my left hand anyway, but it was just annoying. It was just nagging. But right. now, when you have both hands and you work at a grocery store and both hands are numb, it's really hard to get your work done. Yeah. So I said something to my wife. I said something to Nita, and she said, well, it sounds like you probably have a pinched nerve. You need to go see a chiropractor. Well, this goes back to our earlier conversation. I don't like doctors. Mm. I don't like chiropractors. Please, if you're in chiropractic medicine, God bless you. I've been to chiropractors. You do a wonderful job, but I don't like to be touched. Okay. <laughs> I'm just uh, this, this social distancing thing because of COVID people call it a pandemic. It is. I planned it because it's great. <laughs> I don't have to hug anybody. I don't have to shake anybody's hand, but anyway, so she says you need to go to a chiropractor and I'm going, I think I can live with it. I think I can deal with this. And so that was Monday and Tuesday. Wednesday, I woke up and not only were my hands numb, but my left foot was now numb. Now something's really weird. And Thursday, believe it or not, now it's both hands and both feet are numb. 
And I thought, no, this is this is just strange. And um, but then when I woke up Friday morning, uh, the numbness was still there, but it had changed. And now it was I was weak. My muscles had been affected to the point where it was difficult to function. It was difficult to put my shoes on. It was difficult to walk across the street to go to work that morning. And then I started to get worried. I knew that something was wrong. And I had to get up on a step ladder to reach the top shelf of something. And I fell off the step ladder. And I said, all right, it's time to call a doctor. <laughs> Something's bad if I'm going to have to call a doctor, you know? Yeah. So I remember going up the stairs. It was before cell phones, you know? So I remember crawling up the stairs to the break room with using both hands to pull myself along on the, on the handrail because I just couldn't climb the stairs. And I got to the phone. I called Nita. I said, uh, you need to call the doctor. And of course, she's like, what's going on? Mm. And I told her and she said, I'll, I'll get you in the doctor. And I did got into the physician and he said, um, he said, I know what this is, but he said, I'm not qualified to diagnose it. He said, I'm going to send you to a neurologist in Omaha. And so he got on the phone with her and he comes back in. And he says, um, she has agreed that we will not have to send you in an ambulance as long as you promise to go ahead and get there right away. Do not pass go. Do not collect two hundred dollars. So I said, "Yeah, we, we can do that." So we, we got together. And of course, I had we had three little kids at home that Nita had to get them taken care of. Got in the van, you know. Told my mom what was going on. She insisted that she goes with us, you know. Mm -hmm. And so we didn't get away quite as soon as maybe we should have. But we drove. We drove up there, and on the way, I was listening to some CDs. And we talked in an earlier episode about our love for Southern gospel music. Yeah. I was listening to a, a CD by Gold City. And there's a song that it says, uh, he's in time, on time, every time for me. And I was really nervous until I heard that song. And God used that song. And it's not even a, it's not even a, you know, a ballad or anything. It's, it's a real fast moving song, you know, and everything. But God used that to just really bring peace into my heart. So that when we got to the emergency room at Bergen Mercy, Bergen Mercy Hospital in Omaha, I was not, I was just not scared. I was just doing fine, you know, and we walked in and this neurologist came to us. And I got to tell you, she was a piece of work. She was very good, but she was, um, she knew it, you know, you know, yeah. have you ever known people who are good in their field and they know it, you yeah. know, she was really arrogant and no bedside manner. And she says, I'm not impressed with how long it took you to get up here. And, Sorry. And uh, she uh, did all of her tests and everything like that. And she says, all right, well, the next thing that we have to do is I'm going to stick a needle into your spine. And I'm going to pull out some fluid. There's nothing about that sentence, Dave, that <laughs> excites me at all. There is nothing about needle in the spine and pulling out fluid that makes me want to say, yeah, well, all yeah. right, let's do that. Especially when she said, but first you're going to have to sign because there are risks involved. I mean, you could be paralyzed and so on and so forth. And I just said, okay, wow. all right, we're just stopping right here. I said, uh, we're not going to do that. I don't like needles. I don't want anybody touching my spine. Just find out what this is and get it taken care of. And she said, sir, you don't understand. What this is, is probably going to kill you tonight. And we have to get it taken care of and we need to get it treated before it does kill you. What? Okay. So I, I think maybe I'll sign that. My wife was sitting there and she heard this and I looked at her 
And she, for the first time, saw fear in my eyes. And she got up and she walked out of the room. Now, I thought maybe she was going out to have a cry or to scream. She did not. She got up, she went out to the waiting room where my mother was, and she, she told her what the situation was. She says, we've got to get on the phone. Yep. We got to get people praying. And yep. again, this is before cell phones. Mm -hmm. You were the one of the people that she called. That's right. I remember this. Literally from all across the nation, from New York to Washington State, they were calling friends and saying, pray, 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 pray. There was a youth convention going on in Iowa with 1,200 students. And Mark Oberbeck, we had him on earlier. He uh, yes. he led those kids in praying for me. Okay, and uh, so she did the uh, she did the the shot in the in the back and everything. And she comes back in and she says, "It's just as I suspected. You have Guillain-Barré syndrome." Now this is a, a rare disorder, and a lot of people uh, pronounce it. They pronounce it incorrectly. They pronounce it Guillain-Barr. So mm -hmm. if you're listening to this and you go, oh, yeah, Gillian Barr, it's, it's actually Guillaume Barre, named after two Frenchmen. And it's basically, it's kind of like a mutant virus that attacks your nervous system. Normally a mutant flu virus, whether you've had the flu really badly or some people have the flu shot and, and get it as a result of that. But obviously I had a bad case of the flu and it attacks your nervous system and it starts with your sensory nerves. That's why I couldn't feel anything. And then it attacks your motor nerves. That's why I got weak. And it starts in your extremities and then it moves in. And eventually if it moves far enough, it reaches your vital organs and shuts them down. And she says, Mr. Pugh, this is moving very rapidly in your body. Normally it takes two weeks for symptoms to occur. It had taken five days for this to happen. She says, it, she says it's going to reach your vital organs tonight and shut everything down. We're gonna have to put you into, in, into intensive care. And we may have to do plasmophoresis, which is, if you know what that is, is take it, they were gonna take the blood out of my body and clean it. And I know people say, you can't take your blood out of your body, but they hook it up to a pump and take it, clean it, put it back in. So it's kind of a, it's a cycle thing, you know? Like and a filter says, type of thing, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And uh, she says, and then we'll, we'll see where we are in the morning. Well, she put me in, admitted me in the hospital, and uh, the next morning, you know, I got I got a call from you. You call you were pastoring in Kansas. We were all we were switched. I was living in Iowa, and you were living in Kansas. I just moved to Kansas. Yeah, yeah, you hadn't been there very long at all, <clears throat> right? But you had, uh, and you you were definitely. I mean, you're just you're my best friend, and so you you called. And I had a pastor friend, and uh, Pastor Sean Obird. You know who you are. You came to see me in the hospital, and. I had another friend there, and of course, my wife was there, and it was, everybody was kind of there when the neuros, when the neurologist walked in, and she says, I don't understand it, <laughs> and I love it when a doctor says, I, I know. don't understand it. She says, I don't understand this, but this morning, your spinal fluid is clear, and we're going to send you home. Come you on. don't have Guillain-Barre syndrome anymore, mm. and I said, well, I said, you know what? doctor i said there's been a lot of people praying she says "Up, oh, i don't want to hear it all <laughs> i want to tell you is i made a correct diagnosis and now you don't have it and that's just really bothering me so she sent me home that day on that saturday and uh, the problem is even though i didn't have gbs i still had all of the symptoms i couldn't walk without a cane very immobile uh my precious wife had to go and take my hours at the grocery store. They graciously let her come and, and work for me. So I had to 
run the front desk at the motel. We had a lot of snow that year. I couldn't go out and move it. She had to come and scoop the snow when she was done with work. And I had to sit there like a lump and watch her out the window doing my work. It was a very, very tough thing. So I started battling depression and everything throughout all this. And finally, one night I told God, I said, God, this isn't fair. I said, if I had evidence that I had GBS, I could get disability. But now that you've taken away the evidence out of my body, now I'm still sick, but I can't even receive disability. I said, you are not the God who goes halfway. Mm. You're the God who, who finishes the work. And I That's said, right. I, I need a complete healing. And I'll tell you what, Dave, that was at bedtime that night. And when I woke up the next morning, I wasn't 100% better, but I'll tell you what, I was 90% better. I could walk, I had mobility, I could feel things. And uh, when I went back to, for the follow-up visit with the, with the neurologist, uh, she says, well, she says, this is just an amazing recovery. I just can't imagine. And she says, do you have any questions? And I said, well, I do have one question. I said, um, will I be able to play piano? And she says, well, I don't see why not. And I said, good, because I've never been able to do it before. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, did she, she, laugh? Did not, she did not. She was not in, in one bit impressed. She said, is there something wrong with your thinker? But, uh, <laughs> but 20 years later, Dave, 20 years later, oh. I can walk, I can run. I don't like to run, but I can if I have to. And I, I, I mean, there's some residual problems when the weather changes and everything. I feel it in my legs, you know, but uh, I, I'm telling you what, God touched me. And I, if you're listening, I know that not everybody necessarily believes in healing. And I'm telling you what, I'm not talking about doctrine. I'm talking about what happened to this guy. Mm -hmm. Medically documented that it wasn't supposed to happen this way, but God. And um, I, I just, I, I'm very thankful. And I just, if there's anybody out there who just, you're going through a situation in your life that is, um, that is tough and there's no way out, I just, I just want to pray for you. And uh, matter of fact, I, we weren't even planning to do this, but can we do that right now? Can I just Let's do just it? Pray? Yes. God, I just pray right now for, for anybody who's listening to this podcast and going through a real rough time in their life. And maybe things seem impossible. It could be a physical issue. could be a financial issue. It could be a relationship issue. I don't know what it is, but it's really impossible. And God, I speak to the one that I know, not only from the Bible, but from personal experience as the God mm -hmm. of the impossible. And I pray, Lord, that you administer right now on behalf of that man, that woman, that young person. I pray, oh God, that you would meet them right where they are and that you would do the impossible in their lives. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. What, what a great story. I mean, thanks for sharing that because that's, that's the incredible healing power of Jesus Christ. Yeah, and, and you, you have stories. You know... Here's something, Dave. You had the story of you had you had the syndrome. Um, it it could have killed you. It could have taken you, and um, and God healed you. And on my side, I think we have to we have to see God's going to do things how He wants to do it. Yeah. Right. Right. And so for me, my strange medical condition, and and it's not even close to like. Well, well, let me just explain here, is that sometimes God uses the medical field 
to bring yes. the healing in your body. Yeah, absolutely. Even though you've been praying for healing, here, here's the thing. If you, if you believe in God's will for your life, then you believe that he, he knows best. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Could he take all this stuff away? Sure he could, but sometimes we go through things. He, he allows us to go through things. It doesn't that mean that he brings this on us, but he allows us to go through this. My, my condition, Dave, was it's called a hyperparathyroidism. It was a tumor about the size of my thumb in uh, not the thyroid, but behind the thyroid is parathyroids. Okay. They're the ones that they are the ones that control the calcium in your body. Huh. All right. Calcium is key. Just ask your bones. It's sure, key. Yeah. That's so why you need to drink your milk. Yep. Right. You remember Gary Shanley? I do. Yeah. 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 He died of this because he refused to get help. Really? What I what this is, if you have it in your body for for 20 years, you can die. And he died of a heart attack that was brought on by that. I had this in my body. They they said probably 11 or 12 years. No I'm going to tell you some things that you probably didn't know, Dave. One, you during that time, yeah. Well, during that time, 10 years, I gained 100 pounds. Hmm. People will say, well, because you're just big fat pig, Dave, and you just like to eat. Well, I did like to eat. The problem was it snuffed out everything of metabolism that I had in my body. Yeah, yeah. I've heard that. That that happens. Mm -hmm. The the second thing is I began to get chronic fatigue. I felt tired all the time. Um, I felt bad. I could, towards the end, I could barely put one foot in front of the other without hurting. Uh, they were going to check me for my mind because I was having almost um, dementia-type um, episodes. Uh, I, I was somebody that dealt with depression and, uh, and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I'm just putting down the things that I had. I had um, bone pain, insomnia. But one of the things that started to happen was I got kidney um, stones. So I had kidney episodes. I remember that kidney. Yeah. I had several kidney episodes and I had kidney, kidney stone surgery. I got prostate issues and the list goes on and on and on. And what the doctors were doing were treating the symptom. And I finally got into my, uh, I was having heart palpitations as well. And um, it also does some stuff to your liver. Interesting, since I'm just going through some liver issues myself right now. Yeah. And, and so I was going to my urologist, and everybody loves going to their urologist, right? It's just they about like an eye doctor. Yeah. <laughs> they thought I had bladder cancer, so they, they did bladder, they did a cystoscope, did all that kind of stuff, nothing. Uh, they said I was just... I was too um, by the book in all my symptoms, and that was kind of strange. So my urologist, and I was, it was like four days before we were supposed to go to Disneyland as a family, and I came, I was just sick, and I had a kidney stone, and it was lodged. Now, have you had a kidney stone before, Dave? Uh, No, I have not. Okay, so kidney stone, when it gets stuck, I mean, there's so much pain, it makes you feel Mm -hmm. sick and all that. I've heard that it's one of the worst pains you can go through. 
Well, for me, boy, it was not, it was not fun. So I went and he said, well, we need to take some tests. So scanned and there's a kidney stone. He says, so here's the deal. I can go in today and take the kidney stone out, or you can go to Florida right now and be miserable. I decided let's have the surgery now. Come on. And, yep. and then we, we went to Florida. We were able to make changes. Okay. So that went by when I got back though, I had more issues, way more issues. And so he says, I've been thinking about you, Dave. And see, here's the thing. We've been praying for healing and all kinds of things in my body going, you know, Lord, help us, help me. Mm-hmm. And as I went the, that last time, he said, I think I might know what it is. So he took some tests and then I had to do some other things. He says, yep, your calcium level is so high. It's, it's off the chart. So what was happening was, calcium was leaving my bones and going into my vital organs. That's what hyperparathyroidism does. Uh, Oh, okay. Uh So it was dumping that. So, you know, they're surprised I don't have more bone and uh, bone issues. And that's, you know, I'm thankful that I have good, good, healthy bones. You know, it's just, that's good. Um, so anyway, they said, that's what you have hyperparathyroidism and they need to go in and do surgery. You got a tumor on one of your parathyroids. So they told me there that, uh, I got a call and they said that they can do a four to eight hour exploratory surgery on me four to eight hours. That's a long time, Dave, on a surgery. Yes, it is. For some reason, I didn't take that as a yes. And I started to look on online. And then I got connected with somebody who was part of my uh, college ministry back in Kansas. She had gone through the same thing. And I was looking at this doctor down in Tampa. And she said, that's where I went. And she told me everything that she had. It was a, you know, the sense of peace that you get when you finally start connecting the dots. Yes. And so I, we called down there and they said, definitely you're a candidate and we need you to come down. Uh, we paid for it up front, which was awesome. And instead of a four to eight hour, I went down there and I went on, it was a Monday morning and it was, they put me out, they checked all the parathyroids and they found one tumor again, the size of my thumb. They said it was one of the largest ones they've ever taken out of somebody. I'm like, oh, great. Uh, and at that time I was probably weighing close to 400 pounds. I could not jump. I could not do anything. It was terrible. And we stayed down there. So uh, it was 25 minute surgery, Dave. And after about an hour and a half of recovery, I got on the bus. They took us to our, our, um, our hotel and I slept the rest of the afternoon. I woke up about four o'clock at night and we were down at Tampa and it was so beautiful. My wife was, she's a trooper. I mean, she just, you know, our wives are, aren't they? Yeah. Oh man. And I, honey, I love you. You're great. And, um, she's down there soaking in the sun and, and concerned with me. How, how am I going to do? I woke up and for the first time, Dave, I went downstairs with her. We sat outside by the palm trees and something felt different inside of me. And I went downstairs and we were waiting for her family to come by. They were going to come by and see us. And I jumped for the first time in probably seven, eight years. Really? Now it measured on the Richter scale when I came back down, but I jumped. I was going to say, I think I felt that. 
Yeah, you did. You did. It started a tsunami. So anyway, but let me tell you, the next day I was walking through Epcot. Wow. Now I was sore and I still have, you know, Mark, they cut me right through in in the front of your um, throat. But then that has brought me to the place of where now I have some liver issues and I just gone through some really bad situations, but it's turning out really good. And I'm thankful for that. But that's why I celebrated. I think a few podcasts ago, I told you that I just celebrated my 80th pound that I lost. I have 70 more pounds to go. I'm able to do that because my metabolism's coming back. I'm able to work out. I'm able to move. I'm able to walk. I'm able to do all these kinds of things. And so I'm on that, that journey now back to, to good health. And it's taking time. But I'm so grateful to God that, one, he can heal somebody like you. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to go through those years. And you don't have, you know, he just healed you. That was, that's awesome. Yeah. Our, our listeners need to know God works in several ways. And sure. for me, I'm not envious that he didn't do that in me. I'm grateful that I had to even go through that process. I didn't want to, but I went through it and it produced so much more character in me and trust in God. Yeah. And, and now today, I just, uh, you know, I've been able to help and minister to other people who's going through the same stuff. And I'm so grateful that God uses the medical field. Yeah, absolutely. He's my urologist to figure out something that, uh-huh. you know, so how incredible is that? That's, that's, that's an awesome story. Well, you know, Jesus, uh, Jesus in the Bible didn't heal the same way every time. No. Some, some blind people would come to him and he healed instantly. One blind person, he came and touched him and he says, okay, tell me what you see. And he says, uh, things are really blurry. As a matter of fact, men are walking around, they look like trees. Jesus said, okay, we're not done yet. You know, he heals some instantly. He heals some gradually, and some people die. You know, yeah. So, uh, uh, but um, yeah, but, uh, every story is there for a reason. Yeah. And uh, my story happened for a reason. Your story happened for a reason. And uh, it, it's exciting to see when those purposes come to fr- come to fruition. So. And, and you know, Dave, there's people that you know, like you say, some have died. They've had. I've had family members, you've had family members that have died of disease, cancer, mm-hmm. heart, yeah. whatever. And we've prayed. And just because you're faith-filled people and you pray like that and, and you say, well, God didn't love them or didn't love us because he didn't answer our prayer. They, they died. Well, what people need to understand that as a Christian, um, death, it, we're all going to die one day. Yeah. But death is our graduation into the eternal life. Amen. And this podcast is not meant to preach. It's not a Bible study. It's not a political show. It's we're bringing God into all aspects of the life of, of life. I, I believe we're living in a culture where people are tired. They're sick and yeah. tired of trying everything that the world's offering them. And we're just telling you, we don't know it all. And we have room for growth in our life, but there's nothing like, serving Jesus Christ. Yes, that's, that's right. That's right. And, you know, if, uh, if there's an issue that, um, that you're really needing God to undertake in, we prayed for you earlier, but if you want to go to our Facebook page, uh, yes. two days podcast, 
you can uh, let us know what struggle you're going through. Or maybe there's been something that God has helped you with and you want to record that. Uh, we'd love to read those things. Yes. I, th- this is the exciting thing about the podcast. We really don't know what the future holds for us. We're just going to keep doing this. And uh, we know there will be haters out there. That's okay. Uh, That's okay. We're not... We're not doing it for that. Uh, we're just being obedient, and we're having a good time doing this. And we're not ashamed to declare the good things of Jesus Christ. That's right. And as always, if you enjoyed this podcast, and even if you didn't, we ask you to subscribe or share this podcast with your friends. So until next time, remember that two Daves are always better than one. See you next time. <laughs>